guys, happy hashtag Milana Monday. This is the Starring Milana podcast and I'm your host Milana and I've just said Milana like three times in five seconds, so fuck me. Um, This is season two, episode seven of the podcast. If you are new here, welcome. Thank you for joining us. There is a visual to this podcast. Visit youtube.com forward slash starring Milana. Give this video a thumbs up, leave a comment, make sure to subscribe. If you're watching on YouTube, there is a podcast version to this video. So you can find that on almost any podcast app. We prefer Apple Podcasts, so make sure you leave a rating and a review and subscribe on that app. And you can keep up with me at Starring Milana on Instagram and Twitter. First of all, I'm in a fucking hot box right now. If you guys could see me, I'm so hot. I'm in a garage. There's no air conditioning. I have four lights blasting at me. And... That is why I'll look even sweatier in about five seconds. Another reason, I'm drinking wine. Why am I drinking wine, you may ask? Because I almost got set on fire today. No joke, I was at work and uh, through the walkie-talkie, somebody was like, Milana, Matias, if you're in the office, please exit the building. There's a fire right outside of your office. I thought they were fucking with me. I look out the window and there is a fire like 10 feet away from us. Just a an RV was set on fire, blasting. So um, I need some wine to cope with today's episode. And another reason why I'm a little bit nervous is we have an audience today. We have Lena's friend, Nadia, here visiting from Florida. Um, Cheers to her. Also, Lena, I can't see you today because there's a light in your face and I don't like not being able to see you because you mouth things to me. Um, We have an audience. First time. Hello, Nadia. Welcome. If you hear an awkward cough in the back, it's her. So that's all I have to say for today's introduction. We have three segments here. Thank you. Hey, girl. Um, We have three segments here at Starring Milana. The first one is called BTS, where we catch up with my past week. The second segment is called Talkworthy, where we pick a few things going on in the media, and we try to offer a new perspective. And the last segment is called Dropping Gems, where we pick a top topic of the week and we drop a few gems. So let's get into it. Not much has happened this week. I got my lashes done, my eyebrows done. I feel like a new person. Shout out to Star Lash Extensions. Uh, Lena and I got a tan, so I'm getting some color in my skin. I saw a post about pineapple on pizza and like I think that's gross, so I wanted to share that with you guys. I think that it's disrespectful to the people of Naples because they created the best pizza in the world and Americans are fucking it up with pineapple. Why? It's unnecessary. You know, I, ham? I don't, I don't like shit on my pizza. I like a traditional Italian pizza, so I can't relate. Um, I also want to reincarnate into Stormy Webster. I've decided that this past week when I saw her on vacation, on her jet, in my next life, if I was to be a baby, I would like to be Stormy. So if you guys don't know, because you're new, but most of you do know, I have a full-time job. I work as an event designer um, at a really big company, and we helped with the Dose of Colors pop-up shop that's open here in Beverly Hills for a week. And it was really fun for me because usually I work on like weddings and parties. We do some stuff for award shows, but we don't really get to do things for brands that I actually like love and use. And so it was interesting to not only work with them, but also this is our third time working with them, but also do a pop-up shop because it's out of the norm because we usually do events. So if you guys have time, go check it out. It's open. Oh, well, at this point, when you guys listen to this podcast, it'll probably be closed. But they have launched their foundation, and it's pretty good. So check it out. They're a great brand, super clean, vegan, all the good stuff. I feel like I'm in hell. I mean, aside from a 
the occasional cough and the stomping and the dogs running above. You'll hear a baby crying in the background, and that is what it's like recording in a garage. Um, maybe we should just be in a closet at this point. Maybe it'll be air-conditioned. Who knows? We shall grow. Maybe season three, you won't even see me on camera because I'm fucking in an air-conditioned closet. Anyway, uh, yes, Dose of Colors, great products. The foundation is called Meet Your Hue. She has 42 shades. It's a matte foundation. So it, there's a color for everybody, and there's undertones too, peachy, golden, whatever you need. So this is like an advertisement for them. I promise you it's not. It's just I think it's a great product. So I would check it out if I were you guys, especially since it's summer. It is getting hot, and matte foundation is really good for the summer. The last thing I want to talk about this week is Orange Theory and how it will be the death of me. I rode 4,500 meters, I can't tell you which day, but it was this week. And I have to tell you, I don't think rowing is made for the little people of the world. Um, it is very hard for us to row at the speed of others. I'm just watching the people next to me rowing as if they're, I don't fucking know what, canoeing through the lake. And I'm over here dying, just dying to keep up with them because we're trying to set, uh, meet like a record every time we row. And everyone's just like glazing through the fucking river with 5,000 meters, 6,000 meters. And I'm over here out of breath because I have to go twice as fast because I don't have the same span as everybody else. So Orange Theory kicked my ass. I got off that rower. I couldn't even walk. I basically like collapsed. And... I had to skip a day and I might skip another day. I don't know. Um, but I'm still eating carbs and working out. So that's it. That's my past week. And I think that's all for BTS. So let's just get into talk worthy. I don't think there's as much going on as last week because last week was crazy. But a few things that are notable. Um, first of all, can you guys leave Aisha Curry alone? Like she can't even dance in peace. Everyone has beef with her ever since she said what she said about wanting compliments from other men or like enjoying attention from other men. Y'all have been on her and it's just like time to let go. People were, uh, did you see those memes about her dancing and like people were just, why just let it go? She's successful. She's happy. She's married. She has her children and she can fucking Millie Rock the rest of her life away. Um, if I knew how to Millie Rock, I would probably Millie Rock too. I should probably learn how to Millie Rock. People call me Millie Rock and I don't know how to do the dance. This is embarrassing. Lena, that, stop. Lena Millie rocks in the car. Um, so another thing I want to talk about is the Emmy nominations. The nominations list came out for the 71st Emmys Awards. I think the award show is in September. And this is crazy. HBO has 137 nominations and Netflix is second with 126. So last year, Netflix had more, but that's because there wasn't a season of Game of Thrones. So keep that in mind. Since Game of Thrones is done after this year, I think Netflix is going to lead the nominations list for a really long time, which is crazy to me because just a few years ago, there were an idea, an idea that like Blockbuster laughed at when they came to them and tried to pitch Netflix. So I think it's incredible to see how much they've grown. I said it last year, uh, last year, last episode, they are revolutionaries and for that reason, I will never cancel my Netflix account. But some of the shows that were nominated, Game of Thrones with 32 nominations, which is crazy. Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, uh, which is actually an Amazon show. I have talked about this show before. I think it's an incredible show. I'm all about set design, and it's very well done. It has 20 nominations. Chernobyl, which I'm slacking, I need to watch, 17. And When They See Us has 16. So those are two that I really need to watch, is Chernobyl and When They See Us. Beyonce got nominated for her homecoming documentary, and I think it's probably going to be nominated for an Oscar as well, probably a Grammy. 
I think she's going for an EGOT. I don't know how. I'm sure one of her songs is going to make it to Broadway. She's going to get a Tony. I, she's on her way. Beyonce is on her way. She's like not fucking stopping. She's like, I'm going to leave my mark on every part of this industry. So shout out to her. I'm excited to watch the award show. I want, it's going to be a tough one um, because there's a lot of talent in that list. So another piece of information came out this week. P. Diddy said that he wants to return making the band too. And Aubrey O'Day took it upon herself to say that he can't finish any artist. So why? I can't say that I disagree with her, you know. Um, he had Cassie for a while and she never got lifted off the ground. I don't know. But Aubrey O'Day is also on X on the Beach. And she thinks Donald Trump Jr. is hot. So I don't think that she's the most reliable source. Um, not hot, I'm sorry, her, her soulmate. So that's probably even worse. I wouldn't take her word for it. But do you guys remember the cheesecake thing? Do you remember Diddy sending the band to go pick up cheesecake and walk there? It was a five-hour walk for cheesecake. I mean, he was crazy. I don't care if he finishes an artist or not. I'm ready to watch a few people struggle at the expense of Diddy because I think it's hilarious. It's fucked up, I know, but I don't know. I'm excited. I want to watch it. Another thing, El Chapo, you know, remember him? Um, yeah, he got life in prison plus 30 years. What does that mean? How do you get life in prison plus 30 years? Another thing, I was researching like drug lords and murderers and bombers. Today, I don't know why, I have like a weird obsession. I'm really trying to go back to Alcatraz, but there was a Unabomber who was sentenced to eight consecutive years Eight consecutive life sentences. What does that mean? Like, you're a life sentence, and then, like, you die, and you come back. So how the fuck do you get life in prison plus 30? I don't really know what that means. And I tried to research, and, you know, it was just not enough information out there for me. But what's the 34? Like, are we saying his his ghost is going to haunt the prison for 30 years? It's just weird. Just say life in prison, no parole, you're fucked. This is where you're spending the rest of your time. Like, why does it have to be so complicated? Now people have to go research life in prison plus 30. The technicalities are beyond me. Um, well, so I started researching El Chapo. I go into a deep, dark hole. I don't know if there's like a movie done on him. I need a movie. I don't know if I can do like a Narcos. I need like a three-hour movie. I will watch every second of it from beginning to end. I need to understand how his life started and how he ended up here with 11 children and a wife who's an ex-beauty pageant queen that was born in California. I don't like understand how this man escaped from prison two or three times. I'm fascinated by him. I know I shouldn't be because he's probably horrible. He probably got a lot of people killed, but I'm very much into that part of the world. And I, cause I'm, I just, I don't know anything about it. So I'm always watching and I'm researching. I want a movie about this guy. Now he is going to be placed into a super max prison. It is the ADX prison in Colorado. It's basically like, they call it the Alcatraz of the Rockies. And if you guys don't know what Alcatraz is, it's the prison that's now closed down in San Francisco. It's like an island and you can't escape. I mean, people have escaped, but we don't know where they've gone. They might still be in the water. They might, that means died. Um, or they might have swam. I don't know. But it, this is the Alcatraz of the Rockies, meaning like there's nothing around there. Like once they escape, they're going to get caught. There's no trees. You can't even hide anywhere. It's all open. And... That's where he's at. I don't think he's going to escape. So this is definitely something I'm going to follow because I'm fascinated by him. I'm fascinated that Sean Penn got to interview him while he was in hiding. He's just very interesting to me. Um, 
Yeah, so that's that about El Chapo. Another thing, a list came out from Time Magazine of the 25 most influential people in social media. So this is how they decided on this list. It says, Time evaluated contenders by looking at their global impact on social media and their overall ability to drive news. Okay, so I look at this list. There's 25 people. It's an unranked list. This varies from like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez to Trump, the Duke and Duchess of Sussex, Jamila Jamil, Ariana Grande, the school strikers, etc. So it's a very like broad list of people. Um, I'm not sure that I would agree with everybody that was on the list, um, but one of the people that I think was most deserving to be on this list was Rahaf Muhammad. Um, I'm going to read you guys what the description and the write-up that they did about her. Rahaf Muhammad opened a Twitter account in January and captured her plight and the status of Saudi women onto the world stage. Then, 18, Muhammad has escaped a family she described as abusive and a system in which male guardians are given authority over their female relatives' life decisions, including the ability to travel abroad. So she somehow got to Bangkok and begged for help through social media. She rallied approximately 45,000 followers in a single day, and the hashtag SaveRahaf amplified her plea for asylum, catching the attention of the UN Refugee Agency, which eventually helped place her in Canada. So... I honestly have to tell you, I did not know much about what was going on. I didn't know about the guardianship laws in Saudi until I heard her story and a few other stories through social media. Um, Young women are fleeing Saudi and it's been going on for a very, very long time. But the guardianship law is like very much real. Women have little to no rights. Um, They can be like abused by their husband, go to the police and try to get help and the police can be like, where is your husband or where is your father? Where is your guardian? That is very fucking scary. You literally have no rights. And then if you birth a son and something happens to your husband, your son, as he gets older, becomes your guardian. Because again, women have little to almost no rights. So what she did, how she escaped, how she begged for asylum, how she used social media to her advantage, I think it's one of the most amazing stories in the past few years. And I think someone like her and something like this, showing how you can use social media to connect with people all over the world, how you can get people to rally for you. And um, in the way that people supported her is amazing. And I think this is the upside of social media. And this is the beautiful side of social media that a lot of people forget about. So um, yeah, I think that that was the one person on the list that I really felt like was most deserving. Not saying everyone else wasn't, but I would like to see more of those types of people on the most influential list because she was very influential by using social media. A hashtag basically saved her life. Can you imagine? My producer, Lena, and Nadia, who's now also my friend and Lena's friend, they're both actually from Saudi and they grew up there. I'm going to do an episode with Lena just diving deep into Saudi in the dropping gem segment where I have nothing to say but listen because I'm honestly fascinated by the life she lived before she met me. Um, That is why I oftentimes call her my foreign friend that doesn't get it. And it's fine. That is who she is. It is part of her identity. But anyway, Nadia just told me um, some other information that I didn't know about that if a woman is raped um, and she reports it, they require at least three witnesses for them to take your case seriously, which to me is like, if I'm going to rape somebody, 
which I'm not. Wow, that's like a, a note that can be edited really badly. <laughs> but if somebody were to do it, they're not about to do it publicly in front of three people. That's insane. And then it's like, well, two people saw or two people heard or two people. That's not enough. You need a third one. Sorry, like your case is not like if your child saw, if your sister walked in, it just doesn't matter. They need three people to be able to confirm that it really happened, which is just I don't know. It's just very corrupt. Um, I'm not going to go deep into it because I don't know much about it. But again, most influential. Shout out to her. Another person who actually was on that list, and rightfully so, is Lil Nas X. Now, I can't sit here and say I'm a fan of his music. I think the one song that I know is great. I don't know if he has other songs, and if he does, I'm sure they're fine. Um, but he's been in the media because he he's a hip-hop artist, and he came out as gay. And a lot of people praised him. Some people, obviously, there's going to be people that have something to say but I want to talk about what Young Thug said in an interview he said that he respects him for doing that but doesn't believe it's going to be about the music anymore so basically he says that Lil Nas X shouldn't have come out as gay at least not yet because at this point it's too early and people aren't going to focus on his music they're only going to focus on the fact that he is gay and hip-hop I don't know. I think that this is more than just the music. This is a part of his life. This is who he is. It's a part of his identity. And he could he could go his entire life in the closet, undercover, but then you'll never get to really know who he is. He won't get to live the life that he wants to live because he can't truly be himself. He's always going to be locked away somewhere pretending to be somebody else. So... Music is for now, like this part of his life is forever and it's something that needs to be embraced regardless of how anybody is going to receive it. And honestly, it's not anyone's business, it's not his business how others are going to receive that information. He, I'm very proud of him because um, I think it's important to remember that you should always like be hated for who you are than who you're not. Um, and unfortunately, the perception of gay artists in sports and in hip-hop, a lot of them are undercover. Um, this industry, both industries, are built on machismo and masculinity. And a lot of these athletes and hip-hop artists live in a world where they will be criticized for their sexuality. So the fact that he was able to come out and whether he becomes very successful or he doesn't. I think that everything happens for a reason and this was part of his journey to kind of open a new door, you know? Um, I, and I think if there were any time to do it, this is the best time to do it. We are in that era where it's oftentimes celebrated. Um, so I don't know. I don't think I agree with Young Thug. I think that this was the best move for him. Maybe... We'll see what happens with his career down the line, but I think now he can, you can see his true self through his music. So I think that's very impressive. Obviously to him, it was more important to make an impact on others, open the door for others, and 
be who he wants to be regardless of the backlash that he would receive. Um, because at the end of the day, like we all have one life to live and you rather just live it truly to who you are rather than who you're not. The last thing I'm going to talk about in Talkworthy, and I'm going to try to be um, short and calm because I watched my video and listened to my podcast last week and I was very, mm, I'm going to say passionate. That's the word we're going to use. I said fuck like seven times in 10 seconds because... You know, I was boiling. Um, If you didn't get it from last week, I'm very, very passionate about immigration. Um, I am, again, I'm an immigrant myself. So this is a topic that is very important to me, especially fighting for people who can't fight for themselves. And that's exactly what this is, is the misconception of people who are undocumented. So that was what I was passionate about last week. I'm still, I'm not going to go too deep into that because again, we talked about it last week. And if you didn't listen to that episode, I highly recommend that you do. Um, but we have a new bag of crap unloading on us this week. Um, the This president didn't stop. Um, you know, he went on to call these four young congresswomen. I don't even, I'm just going to read to you what he said because I, I, like my mind goes blank because I get so upset. So I'm going to take it one step at a time. He said, so interesting to see progressive Democrat congresswomen who originally came from countries whose governments are a complete and total catastrophe the worst, most corrupt and inept anywhere in the world if they even have a functioning government at all. That was like that was like seven lines of him commenting on a government. By the way, three of these women were born in America, so are you talking about the American government? I'm confused. Um, now loudly and viciously telling the people of the U.S., the greatest and most powerful nation on earth, how our government is to be run. They are the fucking government. Um, Trump tweeted on Sunday, why don't they go back and help fix the totally broken and crime-infested places from which they came? Then come back and show us how it is done. Where would you like some of them to go? I'm confused. Um, We know that Ilan Omar moved here as a refugee. And yes, she wasn't born here. But the rest of these ladies were born here. um, So this is their country. Where the fuck would you want them to go? Where their bloodline once was? I don't understand what he's trying to say. And it's freshman congresswomen hate our country and they, if they are, they're free to leave. So this is what he said and a follow-up speech the next day. Then his crowd of idiots, and if you're one of them, don't listen to my podcast. His crowd of idiots were chanting, send her back chants, send her back to her country. And you know, I like, I don't know what's worse, him or the people that support him. I can't really put my finger on it. I mean, they're both two fucking evils that you don't even want to come across. But I don't know what's worse. Um, the center majority leader, Mitch McConnell, he was interviewed about his thoughts on, he's Republican, about his thoughts on what he thinks of Donald Trump and the remarks he's made recently. And he said, I think that the tone of all of this is not good for the country, but it's coming from an ideological point of view to single out any segment of this, I think is a mistake. Our words matter. We all know politics is a contact sport, but it's about time we lowered the temperature all across the board. First of all, I believe his wife is an immigrant. She came here legally, but she's an immigrant. Second, um, 
don't fucking tell the Democrats to lower their temperature when literally Trump has been hot and boiling for years, okay? When he is called out on his bullshit, now the Republicans want the Democrats to lower their tone. It's getting a little too aggressive. No, this is the fucking time to do it. Everyone needs to buck up and call it for what it is. Um, And then this morning, or Thursday morning, he went on to say that I didn't say any of that. They did. The crowd. So he said, I didn't say that. The crowd did. So it's kind of like Charles Manson, when he was like, I didn't murder them. They did. Like, I told them to do it, but they did it. I didn't actually murder them. Like, I didn't tell them to chant. Like, they just did it. Like, what the fuck? Be accountable for your shit. Like, this is you setting a narrative. You creating an environment of hate. Of course this crowd is going to do that. And by the way, these people, there was probably some, like, little intern walking around with a sign that was like, and now we chant. Send her back. Send her back. We don't know what the rest of that looked like. All we know is the buffoons behind him. We don't know what was in front of them, who was saying what, who created that chant. It was probably him in the middle of the night. He probably scribbled on a piece of paper like he scribbled that speech the night before. Um, anyway, so, yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm done with this topic. I just want to be in a place where I can feel safe in this country. Not necessarily in this country, because I feel safe. I think this is a great country, and I think this is a misinterpretation of what those women are saying. This is a great country. It is full of opportunities, but it has to be fair for everybody, and we have to, when you say, like, let's talk about what America was built on, and these, this is what they're trying to say. This is what these women are fighting for, the lives of other people, people who can't fight for themselves, right? I want to be in a country where I feel like they can fight for me. So, and not only me, for people who live here, undocumented or not, um, or in general, people everywhere. You know, America sticks their fucking nose into everything, and we've been doing it the entire history of this country. So, if there are people living on this land, let's help them and build them and help them grow like we've been doing for years. Um, so I don't know. That's all I have to say about this topic. I, 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 this is a developing situation. And I just hope that his supporters and other members of the Republican Party really open their eyes to what's going on. It's no longer just like, oh, he said this, we're going to laugh it off. Now it's getting scary. You know, it's getting really bad. You have crowds of people chanting, send her back. Um, she has a family. She has kids. This is not only dangerous for her, but for other people, other Muslim people in this country. So that's something that we need to take into account. It's not necessarily that she's being targeted. The entire culture and religion is being targeted. Um, and that's dangerous. And now that I have sweated out all this disgusting wine that I'm drinking, by the way, Riesling is not my first, uh, drink of choice. I'm going to move on to the dropping gems segment. This week's topic is about relatability. Um, I was inspired by this topic because I saw two posts in the past week or two that Really kind of, I mean, it's been going on for a while, but open your eyes to what other people are dealing with. The first one was Olivia Culpo. She posted two photos, uh, one of her from today or that day, happy, healthy, looking good, and another one in which she looked sad. I don't know if malnourished is a good word to use. Um, she even said herself, you know, I look at this photo of me from two months ago. I was drinking a lot. I wasn't eating. I was smoking. Basically saying that she was in a very bad place and she was depressed. Um, but had you looked through her social media, you wouldn't have known it. 
Another person who shared her story this week was Kylie Jenner, and she kind of talked about, which she never really does, so I think this was really dope. She talked about losing herself and then just to find herself all over again, um, kind of feeling better about herself and growing and everything from motherhood to her adult anxiety to growing up on a basically a stage since she was really young, exposed to the world. Um, these were two very powerful posts because, again, I don't think that we get enough of that from public figures. Recently, there has been a trend of especially mothers sharing their struggles of children and postpartum, and that's very important, And but th- there are, is a lot of people who can relate to that. But I think that when we... Scroll through social media, two people in particular, and I follow both of these, and I would have to say these are two of the women that I would look at and say and think to myself, like, their life really does look great. It doesn't look like they have anything to worry about. I know that it's not true, but if you look at their accounts, that is the first thing that you would think. Olivia Colbo is always smiling. She's always traveling. She's jumping through the streets. She's eating everything. Kylie Jenner has all the money in the world. She's beautiful. She has the world at her hands. She's her fingertips, sorry, she's 22. I mean, you look at these two women and even though their lives are very different, you never really see a struggle, right? Unless you hear about it in the news where it's like, you know, the whole Jordan Woods thing or Olivia Culpa and her boyfriend break up. But for somehow when you're still hearing that news and you look at their social media, you feel like it's fine. They have everything else. They'll get over it. This wouldn't phase them. So I feel like when public figures share their stories, it really helps those who maybe feel alone or maybe feel like nobody can relate. So again, using social media in ways like this where you share your stories can really help many people that you don't even know who you can inspire or impact by a simple social media post. Um, We shouldn't be using social media for validation in the first place, okay? I think the best thing that it is for is connection. It is connecting with other people, like Rahaf's case where she connected with people all over the world. Um, With that being said, if you feel an emotion, if you have deep, dark thoughts, I promise you that you're not alone. There's many people who are in the same boat as you. When I choose a topic for... Um, every week in this segment. I try to relate to the topic as much as possible. I try to think back and reflect on my life and say, okay, what point in my life did I encounter the same experience? So when I decided that I want to talk about relatability, I remembered a time when I didn't relate to anybody. There was no celebrity. There was nobody that felt like, okay, this is someone who I relate to until years later which I think was about last year, I felt that connection with Lady Gaga, which is something that, you know, I was even surprised by. I think I've shared this story before, but I have went through, I went through a difficult time in my life where I was having body aches and pains. I didn't know what was wrong with me. I was going to every doctor you can think of, done every blood test, did it two, three times, had every CAT scan, MRI you can think of. I was having body aches and pains. I didn't know what it was to the point where different doctors were telling me, oh, I'll just prescribe you um, some antidepressant medication. Like, I'm sure you're fine. Like, you're just being dramatic. You're young. And 
it got to a point where I thought that it was in my head for a long time. I was feeling the, these pains, these aches in my body, um, this tingling, and I didn't understand where it was coming from. I didn't know anybody who can relate to that. And until one doctor told me, she was like, you know, I think you might have fibromyalgia. When I started digging into fibromyalgia, it just seemed like something that was in your head. The way that these articles describe fibromyalgia pain and the way that the medical field looks at it, they don't take it seriously. It's not even considered. They don't think that it's a real illness. There's no medication for it. The only medication is an antidepressant. So I just felt very alone. It's not something that you can prove. This is not an illness that you can show somebody like, hey, here's an x-ray. This is what I'm feeling. Or like, here's my blood work. So not only do you look crazy, you sound crazy, but you feel crazy because you just think that it's all in your head and you swear that it's not. But again, there's no proof. I'm going to just read to you guys what fibromyalgia is. For those of you who don't know, it's a disorder characterized by widespread musculoskeletal pain accompanied by fatigue, sleep, memory, and mood issues. Researchers believe that fibromyalgia amplifies pain sensations by affecting the way your brain processes pain signals. So... When your system is in overdrive, when you're stressed, when you haven't slept, um, when there's a mix of stress or anxiety that's affecting you, uh, you have these nerve pains. All of this is, shoots to your body and it is like basically like nerve damage. If, uh, if air conditioning hits you in a certain way, if someone touches you softly, it's a sensation that goes throughout your entire body and you just feel pain. Um, I finally came across a doctor who was like, hey, you know, I've actually been reading about fibromyalgia. Why don't you try swimming? So I started to swim and in a few months, I no longer had those aches and pains. I don't know if it was mental, you know, I didn't know if it was like, okay, this is the, this is it. They, they figured out what's going to help me. If all I have to do is swim, that's fine. I'm going to swim every day and it's going to go away. You know, it is... I think that fibromyalgia can be very um, mental. It can be, you can control it. And I do believe that. I don't know if science backs that, but I do believe that it is something that you control. So I, but still, again, this is very difficult for anyone to understand who's never experienced it. Um, even though I had people in my life that really cared about me, I had friends, I had a boyfriend, I had my family, my parents, my sister, they were concerned and they cared and my mom came to every doctor's appointment. It's just still something that nobody will understand because there's no scientific proof to your symptoms and to what you're feeling. There's nothing that, there's no document that can show it. So at the end of the day, you still feel crazy. When I started swimming and it went away, I started to think to myself, like, am I going crazy? Like, I swear I was having these pains. Did swimming really help? I didn't understand, but I just completely let it go um, and try to just move on from that part of my life because it was two or three years of just torture. Last year, I was watching um, Lady Gaga's documentary. And in her documentary, when she was about to perform or she was going on tour or something, she broke down and she was crying and she was shaking and she had a medical team who was massaging her and helping her. And I didn't know this is this was news to me, maybe not to her fans or people that know, but she does have fibromyalgia and it's chronic. Um, and it really comes out 
when she's on the road or she's sleep not sleeping well or when she's traveling or she's stressed or because she also went through a very traumatic situation at a young age. So the way that she processes stress and um, trauma and lack of sleep is different than other people's and that affects your body and your pain. Um, So when I saw her breaking down and crying and shaking, and this happened several times in the documentary and I started doing research and she talks openly talks about her fibromyalgia, it was like a new world to me because I felt like, wow, I can relate to somebody else because this is something that was going on with me for a really long time and I just felt very, very alone about it. I felt like crazy. I'm sure there was like support groups for fibromyalgia. I did not go to any of them, um, but I still just felt alone. So to see someone who is a public figure, who is on this, who is fucking Lady Gaga, I don't know how else to put it, to see Lady Gaga going through something or having this condition that I had, that I thought I was crazy, that I thought it was all in my head, was amazing to me. Um, I didn't feel alone and it just all came back to me that everything that you were feeling was real. Just because you don't really feel it now or you don't feel it every day, it was real and it did exist and you're not alone. And if Lady Gaga's experiencing this, then there's millions of other people who do experience this. Um, I have been able to get it under control. I don't stress. I try not to stress out a lot. I try to sleep as much as I can. Um, If I'm ever in a place or a point in my life where I feel very anxious or um, something is Going, going to cause me some sort of like anxiety um, or like blood rushing through my body at uncontrollable rates, like roller coasters or a scary movie. I just stay away from it because it my body is very sensitive to those things as opposed to other people. And you know, instead of getting an adrenaline rush, I start to feel body aches and pains, and I get um, very sensitive and I feel my nerves. And it's so I know that and I'm very aware of that. And I try to control those situations as best as possible. So no, don't invite me to not scary farm. I'm not going to go with you. Um, I'm not going to six flags. I just don't fucking stress me out. I try to be very, very calm because the first thing is it puts my body. If I'm not, it puts my body into complete shock. And then I start feeling those nerves, um, rearing their fucking ugly heads. And then I'm back to fibromyalgia. So yeah, um, this topic like went all over the place. But basically, I think that it is very important for celebrities, public figures to share their stories because there are a lot of people out there who feel alone. And until somebody, and it doesn't necessarily have to be a public figure, but the reason why I would start there is because when those people share their stories, they're fans, they open the floodgate to their fans and people commenting who are like, me too, same thing, this happened to me. Um, And then you can, you really learn that you're just not alone in this world. I don't think that we should be sharing. If we're talking about social media etiquette, uh, I don't, I don't know. I just post the pictures I like every once in a while and I try not to, you know, annoy people. But if we're talking about sharing your stories on social media, I don't think that we should necessarily be sharing our day-to-day struggle. I don't think it's necessary to talk about, fuck, I'm late to work. I just spilled coffee on myself. I'm having such a bad day. I just argued with the cashier. I don't think that's necessary um, because you'll get overlooked and you'll drive people away and no one cares. But you, if you are struggling with something or if you are going through something, unfortunately, like 
yeah, talking to a phone or post typing it and posting it sounds like so, I don't know, it sounds kind of dumb, but that, this is the, our reality. We live in an era where social media dominates everything and that is our best outreach to people. So know that you're never alone and share your stories. There's always somebody there who can relate and there's a lot of power in being able to relate to one another because then you could help one another. And, um, and that's it, guys. Thank you so much for listening to episode season. Episode season. Wow, bitch. Maybe the Reese thing is getting to me. Um, that's it, folks. <laughs> Thank you for watching and listening to episode seven of season two of the Starring Milana podcast. If something in this episode resonated with you, please make sure to screenshot and promote this episode, share the link, do whatever you got to do. Um, again, make sure you give all the thumbs up, all the comments, all the reviews, all the subscriptions on both the podcast apps and on YouTube and follow me at Starring Milana and we'll be back next week.